0: Welcome to episode 4 of Vibing in Valentino. So I am coming to you guys from Bangkok and I got back like 2 days ago. I'm recording this intro on a Monday. So by the time this airs it will have been like a week. It will have been a week since I've been back. I'm adjusting like really nicely. I haven't had jet lag or anything and I am so excited because next week, on the 17th, one of my best friends, Jasmine, is coming out for the week to visit. And on the 16th is my brother's wedding number one. So he's marrying the same girl, by the way. I don't want things to get like confused, lost in the sauce, but he's marrying the same girl, but we have two different... We have the ceremony, and then a month later, we're going to do the reception. It's just, it's like a whole long story, but he's... I'm sorry my cook is like just hammering away at something and i did not know the mic would catch up on that sound um (laughs) i really gotta get the fuck out of here i'm back to my condo downtown anyway yeah he's marrying the same girl we just have you know i just don't want you guys to think that it's like some polygamous situation it's not but yeah i have to say please ignore She's downstairs. I'm on the third floor and I don't understand how the sound still picks up on that. Please ignore that. I'm so sorry. But anyway, my weekly weakness this week, you guys, I have been really, really big on the song. desires by drake and future and it's not even on apple music and i wish it was because i can't stop playing it it's like on repeat on a soundcloud app for me but if you guys google desires drake future it'll pop up and it's such a good song people are saying like the lyrics are super toxic but i love toxic lyrics i feel like it's just i can relate so well like my favorite future verse of all time and future is like toxicity king my favorite verse of his of all time is division's no crying <laughs> that's, that's like my go-to and his verse here is really really good too and i'm gonna use that as a caption soon before i get into our conversation i just wanted to remind you guys that if you guys want to get my eight week workout plan vibing strong, or if you guys want to book a one hour coaching call with me where we can talk about anything fitness, diet, nutrition, health related, I can do like a pantry clean out, I can train you for an hour in the gym, like virtually, anything like that go to my website vibinginvalentino.com and you guys can book me on there and purchase the workout plan or you guys can just drop a line and say hi and i would love to hear from you okay with that being said let's get into our conversation with our guest of the week Our guest this week is a wellness and addiction specialist, a mental health expert, and an author. She is incredibly knowledgeable on the topic of behavior change and her books, Rewired and the Rewired Life, details how people can rewire their brains to overcome self-destructive behaviors. Erica Spiegelman, welcome to Vibing and Valentino. Thank you for having me. Very excited to be with you today. I know. I'm so excited to talk to you. Can you please tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and your journey to
1: becoming a wellness and addiction expert? Yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, I think it all started after college. Um, I stopped drinking myself Mm -hmm. um, due to just A lot of partying in college and, you know, feeling, like, spiritless and and also unmotivated. And it wasn't adding to my life, not adding any value. It wasn't, like, taking care of myself or eating properly, sleeping properly. And, you know, I I started to, like, really, like, suffer from that. Uh My family noticed. And so I got help and um, got sober and and haven't drank in 14 years. But um, I think that's what started it was really just kind of understanding that, all the reasons why I probably drank had to do with stress and anxiety and old, you know, narratives and issues. So it was really important to address those with a therapist. And and then I was, you know, very interested in therapy myself. I went back to school at UCLA and got my degree in addiction therapy and been helping and counseling, you know, doing groups and writing books ever since. That's
0: amazing. Did you have like a particular moment
1: where you were like, I have to get better. Like, I have to fix this. Yeah, I think, I think, like, after a couple years of knowing I had an issue with alcohol, um, I, you know, I, internally, that's the thing, is, like, it's really hard to betray ourselves. Mm -hmm. I knew it was a problem, yet I, you know, was in a lot of denial and would, like, tell, you know, my family members, I'm fine, and I, you know, my drinking's not that bad, or, you know, whatever, I would tell myself that. And, and it really was. Yeah. So I think there was like a moment when um, I was living in San Francisco and I was like, I woke up in the morning, I was very shaky, like my hands are shaky yeah. and I felt like I hadn't slept in a long time and I, I like didn't, I wasn't in a job I really loved and I wasn't in a relationship I really liked and, you know, all these, nothing felt authentic in my life and I just like was like, God, please help me. Yeah. And I kind of said that to myself and, and you know, after that, thank God my mom kept asking me like, are you okay? You okay? Okay. Finally to the point where she's like, I know you're not okay. And I said, yeah, I definitely need help. So it was, it was, it was good. It was, it was, you know, on the insistence of my mom, but also the internal voice that I was listening to got stronger and stronger and stronger until I couldn't really turn it off.
0: Yeah. I have been very vocal about the fact that I, you know, I do abuse alcohol You said shaking. Like, you woke up, you were shaking. I flashed back to my hands would shake the day after, like, I was a drinking binge. I would wake up, my hands would shake. I remember, like, giving money to the supermarket checkout cashier lady. My hands were, like, trembling. I'm like, oh, my God, this is crazy. And then I got in the car. I was like, something is wrong with me. So I Googled, and it said that it was the first signs of alcohol withdrawal.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was. I was like...
0: What's the yeah. hell? But I think that it felt safer almost to like deny it. You know what I mean? Because when we accept it, then what are we gonna do? Like I'm gonna have to like, am I gonna lose my friends because I can't go out with them anymore? You know what I mean? It becomes all these things that you're like. Well, we're gonna have
1: to take action. You know, yeah. and It's hard to change. It's hard to change. It's easier to stay the same. Yeah.
0: What has been the hardest thing about your journey? Because you've been sober for so many years.
1: The hardest part, I think, is just, you know, the very, 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 very beginning. Otherwise, like, the minute I chose sobriety, like, I really found, like, a freedom that, and beauty and, like, amazing things started happening. And I, like, got rid of a lot of, like, you know, unnecessary people, bad, toxic energy in my yeah. life. I started you know, I mean, now I'm married, I have my second child on the way, like, I couldn't, none of that would have happened. Yeah, 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 And you know, like, but that's the thing too, like, had I gone any longer, like, I would have never been with the, you know, man that I'm with now, and I I never would have chosen, you know, this path, and um, you know, written all these books, and none of it could have been possible, and I know that. So, that, you know, keeps me on a path of, like, health and wellness, and I just started to embrace, like, Running every morning and eating well and, you know, taking care of myself, having good boundaries, communicating better with people, you know, all the things that, you know, you need Yeah. in order to have a healthy life.
0: Yeah. I'm so happy that you're, you're so focused on wellness as a whole and not just on just one aspect of wellness, whether that's yeah. mental or... It's, your book is very, very holistic, and that's we're going to get to your book later, but it's okay. one of the things I love about it is because you incorporate so many things that go into yeah. a well life, a good life.
1: Right, exactly. Well, yeah. Yeah.
0: What is something you want everybody close to someone in recovery to know about their journey?
1: Just to, you know, to kind of check in and, and just, you know, like be... Um, you know, a little bit more vulnerable with mm-hmm. them and just ask, like, how they're doing and if they're struggling in any way and if they need help here and there or, you know, I think it's hard in the beginning of people's sobriety to receive the support that you really need and you know, asking them, you know, if it's okay to drink around them mm-hmm. or if you're, like, you know, friends with somebody be mindful of that, like, yeah. it's not easy you know, go out to lunch with your friend who you used to go party with if you're a true friend, yeah. you know, go out to lunch take a hike, go see a movie, like go to a museum, like you don't need to go to a bar with real friends all the time. And if somebody's not interested in your friendship and they only wanna like, you know, go out and drink with you, it's probably just a drinking buddy, not a friend.
0: Yeah. How do you navigate the holidays and how do you navigate that sober?
1: Yeah, I tell my clients, so I have you know, I have a private practice and I I talk to people over the phone, um, through FaceTime um and in person in LA. But um I have, you know, a lot of clients that I'm working with now and I go over all my tips and tools. And one of them is, you know, if you're going to, like, a holiday party or you're going to a family event, like, take your own car mm-hmm. or take your own Uber. Don't don't be tied to anybody so you have to wait for them, you know, yeah. when they're ready to leave. Um, and go with somebody who supports your sobriety. Go with somebody who's not drinking themselves. Or go yeah. with somebody that, you know, wants to leave early, is not interested in, like, you know, getting wasted. And then also just having boundaries, boundaries with families. I mean, families could be the most triggering part of all the holidays. Is like, right? You know, personalities and criticisms and old, you know, stuff. You know, so have very good boundaries. You know, I say to people. Tell, you really watch your language and tell people, I'm choosing not to drink. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm choosing to, I, I turned over a new leaf. My choice is, like, to just be a healthy person. Yeah. You don't have to use the word sobriety. You don't have to use the word sober. You don't have to say anything about drinking. You just say, like, I've turned over a new leaf. I'm not, you know, putting any substances in my body. Mm-hmm. I'm getting up early and working out, you know. And I would respect, you know, that you honor what I'm doing and yeah. just, you know, let me let me be and enjoy being here. And that's it. Because a lot of people feel like pressure to drink or they, you know, someone will be like, have one drink. And, you know, that's not the point. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that have one drink will snowball real quick, especially when you're in a stressful situation like the holidays. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. my goodness. Yeah. Yeah, you have yeah. to have that support system around you. How important is it for somebody who is sober to find themselves like a partner who is also sober. Do you think that's a key factor in a relationship?
1: No, I don't at okay. all. Okay. You know, I was probably nine years sober when I met my husband, but mm-hmm. he, you know, he's not sober. He drinks, but mm-hmm. he doesn't drink a lot. He yeah. like will have a half a beer, a beer, he'll eat half the beer. He doesn't, you know, he's not someone who is interested in alcohol like yeah. I was. Um, and he doesn't drink to just drink, to get yeah. drunk. Um yeah. So for him, you know, I think he appreciates that I am present and don't drink like that. And mm-hmm. and if he wants to have a drink, like, it doesn't bother me. And he never changes. His personality never changes. He's always the same, always in control, whereas I, you know, wasn't. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I don't, you know, I think I think having, for me, I've had relationships where I've been with someone sober, too. And I think having that, you know, does provide a lot of great support. But then, you know, it tends to... You just don't want to make it the focus of your life always. Like, you're right. more than just a sober person. You right. are a healthy person that chooses healthy choices. And right. um, hopefully you can meet somebody, you know, that's sober, that, you know, is, is not like that's the only thing that matters to them. Yeah. Like, they have other interests, too. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, um, obviously, if you find somebody that doesn't drink, great. If you find someone that does, you know, make sure you understand their relationship to alcohol mm-hmm. and um, that it's not an unhealthy relationship. hmm yeah, but it's not—it's not the end of the world to date somebody who wants to have a drink occasionally. You know, right, right. As long as they're, it they don't, don't have a you. problem
0: themselves,
1: right? Yeah, and it doesn't bother you. If you're yeah. triggered by it. Still, I would say not to not to date anybody that drinks. them. yeah.
0: Your book Rewired is based on a treatment modality that you created. Can you talk to us about your treatment method and? How did you come up with this modality?
1: Rewired was my first book that was published five years ago, mm-hmm. and it's about honoring like kind of these these specific values in your life, and that's what the treatment modality is, quote mm-hmm. unquote. It's about the first one being authenticity, living an authentic life, being mm-hmm. true to who you are, honoring who you are, um, speaking up for yourself, speaking your truth, taking off all the masks that you wear, because I mean that's really why we lie, we drink, we hide, yeah. we over-exaggerate because we're, like, trying to, like, make people like us for whatever reason, and it's not the real you. So stripping everything down, becoming authentic, authenticity is the first chapter in that book. Then honesty, being honest with yourself and others, um, you know. And then we go through, like, a series of different chapters, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's just all, like, the different steps on how to incorporate these values in your life.
0: Yeah. How would you define in one sentence, authenticity.
1: You're the author of your own life, really. That's yeah. what it means. in Latin. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to do what's true to you.
0: Yeah. And it's so hard because it's like, in this day and age, there's so much noise coming in from all angles about what you should be doing, what you should, you know what I mean? Things you should yeah. do. It's a lot of shoulds. I should right. do a this. Lot of I should. Should. Yeah, and it's just like, sometimes it's just, man. It's like, the, the message gets convoluted in the whole grand scheme of things, because you're listening to so many people and there's so many opinions and ideas. It's like too many cooks, you know? Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. absolutely.
1: And you have to make sure you know, like where that person's coming from.
0: Yeah. Cause not everybody will have your best interests at heart. I, I had to learn that. Yeah.
1: Oh no, no. And also like, you know, you not even their best interests, but you have to understand like the, the, the brain that they have and where they learn things and what their narratives are, you know, like that's important. Like they, They grew up in a family where they learned a certain lifestyle or they learned how to think in a certain way and it's not the way you think or what you value. You know, you're taking that person's opinion. That's nothing to do with you. That's true. I didn't even think about it. Yeah. Um, Why do you think some of us
0: are more prone to turn to self-destructive coping mechanisms than others? Like, for me, like, ever since I was... In my early teens, like, my first thing when I,
1: like, was stressed out, I would turn to drinking. Well, I mean, you know that that was in a, your teens, me, too. But I think, I, I don't know what your family history was before that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, my family, like, I, my parents divorced when I was seven. I think I had a lot of, like, emotional um, issues that I had never discussed about my parents' divorce. And I think, you know, finding drinking as such a relief at a young age. Um, and having also the genetic probably component of addiction, like my, mm-hmm. I have my dad's a big drinker, my grandfather's a big drinker, um, and having that also come like kick in, yeah, um, just just a it, it just it's just a biological response to uh, ethanol alcohol, um, and also you know having friends that drank and being in a, in a crowd like that and it becoming more of a social, nor- normally social thing. Like, yeah. all those things combined led me to drinking as an adult, you know? Yeah.
0: Do you think, then, that, like, people who are prone to, like, just self-destructive behaviors, whether that's alcohol or drugs or maybe binge mm-hmm. eating or, you know, if they could develop a- alternative coping mechanisms for themselves?
1: Yeah, I think if you could learn... That's why, like, you know, I like to start with teenagers. I work at different treatment centers when people are, like, young. But, but most, you know, a lot of people, when I say young, nineteen 20, they've already been drinking since they were 13. So yeah. it's really hard to, like, get to people. But, yeah, I think I, I think that's why it's important to, like, go seek therapies. Get a counselor. Like, yeah. learn coping skills. Learn what lights you up. Yeah. You know, try and be abstinent and see how that feels. Um, if you're too physically addicted you know, maybe you should go to treatment for a little while. Like, yeah. there's just so many options. But but consulting with someone like me is, is as a professional is, is helpful and I think really important.
0: Yeah, it is. It is. I think therapy is something that is essential to everybody, whether or not, you know, they realize it or not. Just give it yeah. one shot. I think it should become, like, something like you go to see your uh, annual checkup. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I
1: totally agree.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but your expertise isn't limited to just addiction, even though we've talked about it no. in depth. Yeah. You're also an expert on stress management and mental health. Yeah. What is the biggest stressor you see in women today? What is the common denominator you see that stresses
1: uh, women out? Body image issues, oh honestly. I think, yes. Yeah. I think that's a really big commonality um, I hear. Relationship issues and, and body image issues. And also, I think, um, lately, I so I do corporate workshops, I which like I worked for Salesforce this past summer, um, and I do workshops on self-care mm-hmm. for, for the cor- corporate world. Like you said, nothing to do with addiction, just yeah. regular, everyday people, but working their butts up and then also trying to maintain, you know, a healthy, like, lifestyle, routine, relationship, you know, uh, yeah. working out, eating right, you know, and it's really hard because I think... There's so much competition for this generation. they got, like, great jobs and, like, work really hard and, and then also look great. And, yeah. you know, everyone's on Instagram and everyone's comparing themselves to others. And so, again, we have to really, you know, my book, The Rewired Life, my newer book that was just published, I had, there's a whole te- chapter on technology. Oh. Just had to be more mindful of it. But anyway, yeah, I think I think it's really important to, to know that women are struggling with body image even worse than I've ever seen. Um, yeah. And I think it has a lot to do with technology. To be honest with social media and, yeah. and apps, and you know, women posting their best picture. I mean, you take 50 pictures and then <laughs> someone posts one. Yes. I mean, really. Or, and then they like Photoshop their wrinkles out and then they're whitening their teeth. And then, I mean, they're there, you know, and so again, it's like everyone that's doing that, it's to everyone else's detriment. Not saying I haven't or, you know, I like, I, I'm not shaming anyone that does. Right. I'm just saying we all are contributing to the problem yeah. if, if we're not being authentic. You yeah. Know?
0: It's because now we normalize things that don't look real. But we see it so much that we we perceive that as normal. So anything that is actually normal, we perceive right. as, like, subpar.
1: Right, right, right. Exactly. I mean, it's comparing yourself to people that are famous, that have money, that have access to, you know, anything they need. But it's also everyday people, too, that are just, like, you know... um. I have a family friend of mine. She was just showing me. She's a she's a podcast too. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And she's like, she was a volleyball player, a sports star, like in college. And she just showed, she did it on Instagram, like all these shots that she like photoshopped herself, and then she like called herself out <laughs> and put them side by side. And she's like, I'm stopping this, you know. And I think a lot of yeah. people are trying to stop it. Yeah. But and you know, it's but it's like everyday people that like I have two nieces that are one seventeen, one sixteen, and like it's it's a real issue with teenagers, you know. Yeah.
0: Because they grew up in an age of, like, social media and looking perfect, too. And I was just speaking on this topic the other day that my generation, you know, I'm 27, so we grew up in the early 90s. My generation mm-hmm. was, like, the hot mess generation with, like, you know, the Jersey Shore and Paris Hilton flashing the paparazzi when she gets out the car and mm-hmm. stumbling out the club drunk. Like, we glamorized problem so we glamorized alcohol and partying and drugs and looking a hot mess but this generation perfect flawless face tuned to the death surgery fillers botox all of that so it's like there's no room for mistakes and that's a different kind of toll it takes on your mental health oh my god totally yeah I, I was going to ask you about technology because you're, the rewired life has a whole chapter on it. And it's such a huge component of what makes mm. our life whole today because we can't go anywhere. You know, we can't take two steps without being smacked in the right. face with some kind of technology. What other things have you seen other than the body image issue has been really – the problem has been really emphasized by all this technology?
1: Um, probably. Well, privacy issues, you know, people knowing, like, where someone is and yeah. the, the safety issues in general. um, And also, I would think dating is, is one of the bigger ones that I've heard complaints mm-hmm. about, too. Just people that have, you know, um, a really hard time meeting someone because of the lack of intimacy and the lack of authenticity, back to that word again, you know, yeah. on dating apps and swiping yeah. right, swiping left, not hearing back from this person not knowing why, dishonesty, hiding behind a phone. You just don't, I mean, I met my husband online, so I'm mm-hmm. not on a app, like a phone swiping app. Uh-huh. You know, oh, my like, God, really? Yeah, one called Happen, which is like you cross paths with somebody and you're in the same vicinity. But Oh, wow. Um, yeah, and, and, you know, but I dated on many of those apps before and, like, never met yeah. anybody seriously. And, and, I, and I experienced the same thing of just, like, someone seems like you like each other then they you go to try to meet and that person disappears or you meet once and then that person you never hear from again but you felt like it was really you know and so there's just there's a lot of like i think issues around your self-esteem that come up and confidence and you know it's kind of just it's a new way of connecting with others like before when i was in college i mean i'm 40 so i just turned 40 so i'm above you a little bit and and Like, when we were in college, like, you know, like, we got on a date or you meet somebody, like, you got fixed up with somebody, you met someone in class, you met someone out. We didn't have phones to to be connected. Right. So, again, like, there was was more, I think, real-life experience that we got to utilize in terms of picking people versus now, like, everybody is kind of meeting that way. Yeah. That I...
0: And it's frightening. Like, I wish we were back in those times where it was, like, so real, you know? You spoke about this phrase. You wrote about it. It's called cognitive distortion. Can you please explain Mm -hmm. to us what that is and how we get to the root of these distortions to become healthier Mm -hmm. individuals?
1: Well. Cognitive distortion is, you know, cognitive meaning your head, mm-hmm. right? Your your, mi- your, mind, mm-hmm. your mind, your mind, your cognitive function, right? Mind and then distorted thoughts, like distorted, you know. So basically, it means distorted thoughts. Yeah. So you know, a lot, a lot of the ones I discuss, like catastrophizing, as a, as a distorted thought. These become habitual thoughts. So, like, if somebody just habitually, like day to day, like is always thinking of the worst case scenario mm-hmm. for their life, it's going to become a habit, just like any other habit, you know. Yeah. Um, and like you talked about earlier, the shoulds. The shoulds is another one of like, yeah. you know, every minute, like I should have called that guy back. I should have done, yeah. done that. Um, I should have done that. You know, my husband this morning, he was like, we were, we're trying to sell a house. He's like, we should have done that. We should have sold it earlier. We should have, yeah. you know. And it's like, again, these these thought patterns don't contribute to a peaceful life. They contribute to more anxiety and stress if you're not aware of them. Because I think a lot of people walk around and don't realize that like they're, shitting themselves or they're catastrophizing and making big deals out of everything or Mm -hmm. they're you know seeing everything in black and white is another one or personalizing is another one so again if i'm like in my head all day and i'm like oh god she doesn't like me because she gave me this look and you know and i'm not even realizing i'm doing this but yet by the end of the day i come home at five and i'm like totally anxious and i don't know why well it's probably because i'm not even really connected to what my thoughts are what my thoughts are and what's going on so again reading hopefully this chapter and discussing cognitive distortions with my readers you know you'll come out of that with more awareness Mm -hmm. and be more mindful of what what is going on you know
0: yeah i would say it's almost like a subcategories of negative thinking is kind is that kind of the deal yeah
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah
0: it's so important to get to the root of these thoughts and why because it takes us only a millisecond and sometimes we don't even realize we're doing it that we're processing information the way we are
1: yeah I mean most people don't realize it and that's why like I'm like um do you realize you've said I should do this like 10 times yeah. you know this past hour <laughs> um not you Nicole but, like, no you know, I know I don't have a <laughs> yeah it's just like mm. and you're
0: not helping the situation
1: <laughs> no but you know and I feel bad you know and, and I, I'm not so bad I it's my job to point it out and mirror yeah. it to my clients that that's, I'm trying to help them see what yeah. they can't see so that's part of my job but I feel bad too because they're like oh my god you know didn't <laughs> realize that and then they start feeling like you know they're treating themselves unkindly and, and but that's the whole thing of what this comes down to is self-love and so yeah you have seeing therapists and and Learning new tools and tips of how to how to cope in life and how to have a, a life full of wellness is is about, you know, checking yourself, having the grace to look at, gosh, I, I have been, you know, beating myself up. I have mm-hmm. been, you know, I've, I've been calling myself names or I've had negative thinking or I've had this, you know. Yeah. catastrophic thinking for a while and i need to learn how to be more kind to myself i need to have more compassion for myself and yeah. that's what the foundation is of a health, healthy life is to become your own best friend and to yeah. have self-love and self-care so it's good to it's good to like discuss all these things
0: yeah speaking of self-care the rewired life also explains the importance of starting the day off on the right note so
1: mm-hmm.
0: what is your morning
1: routine mm-hmm. mine um Well, it's changed a bit since I have a son, but Mm -hmm. uh, it's definitely having, you know, a moment to be with the people I love before I look at my phone, breathe, Um, we usually go down and cook, like, a really healthy breakfast, like, eggs and and coffee and juice and, you know, it's, like, very healthy start of the day, um, and... You know, we put on the news or music or something to kind of like ease in and not Mm -hmm. not too chaotic. But back when I was getting sober and single and on my own, I would get up, take a run, Mm -hmm. come back, have a healthy breakfast. I would look at like my schedule for the day, like in a real planner. So I had like good time management skills. I stopped procrastinating as much. And I would definitely take five minutes to like meditate on what I was grateful for every morning Mm -hmm. I have to admit, I don't have as much time to do that. But even today, (laughs) as I was driving, I had an appointment this morning, I was thinking, like, how grateful I am that, you know, I have my my son and my daughter on the way. And just, like, you know, little moments where I can, like, be by myself and just just be processing, like, what's going on in my life. And and having gratitude, I think, is really important for everybody.
0: Yeah. I think that's so relatable that you're doing this in the car considering we both live in LA and we're stuck in yeah. traffic all the time so right. like is that something you do often how do you how do you maximize your car time
1: you know that's so funny like the car time like now I like live in an area where I'm not in the car as much but I used oh to God, be I'm all jealous. the time <laughs> um, I know I moved to, move, <laughs> move to a different little neighborhood but yeah I think I think now like um and, and even then like it's just you know trying to be mindful of, like being patient not being you know having road rage yeah. <laughs> you have but I would just put on like my music I haven't listened to in so long especially being a mom now like I have no time for myself so mm-hmm. I think putting like good music on or like a podcast I want to hear um you know feeding myself feeding my brain meaning it's yeah. feeding myself some good information um breathing like I would just drive and like Try to take three deep breaths or like go over what I was grateful for, kind of look around and notice what was around me and just get out of my head. Yeah. About stress. You know, yeah. If there was
0: Okay, we're going to switch gears just a little bit. You wrote an article on Kourtney Kardashian's website, Poosh, about pheromones. And it's like, so I, the topic about pheromones, I first heard about it when um, Paris Hilton came out with her first perfume and people were saying she had pheromones in her perfume and I was just like what the hell is that so I was googling it I remember this was when I was like middle school like little and I was mm-hmm. like oh my god this is fascinating can you give us a quick rundown of what pheromones are pheromones
1: are basically the science of smell okay mm-hmm. so it's just, it's like it's your natural so everybody has like a natural like body odor just like we have an, like a personality uh-huh. and um there's a lot of theories behind pheromones, but it's kinda of like scientifically we're attracted to the to people that have usually the opposite pheromone, so that we want to breed together and make mm. babies. And that's kind of the um evolutional like uh theory behind it. Yeah. Um, which makes sense, you know. Like people animals mate, you know, you right. smell your partner and that's kind of how you choose to have sex with them. <laughs> so, <laughs> Um, and we're kind of the same, you know, in terms of me and a mammal and, and the creatures that we are. It's kind of the same thing. Like, you're attracted to somebody's scent. Mm-hmm. But also, like, you know, I was... Not only do, you know, I mean, I love writing for them, but I also love perfumes myself. So when they yeah. were talking about fairness, like, I know all about it. Because, um, I've, I've, you know, I've, I've done a lot of research into smells myself. Yeah. And so um, I just think it's really interesting, like, who you choose as a partner. Like, some people, you just find more attraction to even though they can be you know not as good looking but you're super attracted to them yeah I (laughs) mean someone someone could be like on paper perfect and you know beautiful as 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 aesthetically can be and then you're just not attracted to them yeah yeah
0: that's so true um does this mean we're biologically predestined to like be with somebody based off of
1: yeah I think so yeah that's so crazy that's so cool it is very cool yeah like I don't know, my husband's always like, God, I'm like always smelling him. And, you know, I'm very, <laughs> I mean, just uh, to me, it's a very important thing. And it just, you know, it's very, you <laughs> like someone smell or you don't. Yeah. It comes um, you
0: mentioned the Chanel cologne in your article, the platinum. Yeah. I can't even say the second word. Can you?
1: Egoist. East. Egoist. East. Okay. That um, one. But yeah. I,
0: that's my favorite men's cologne ever. Really? How funny? Ever. I was like, I know exactly yeah. that smell. It smells so good.
1: Yeah, it's the best. I was in you know, Paris, as I wrote, but I was in Paris when I was like 13, and I just got into this like n- unisex sense, which uh-huh. I, like, I still wear. Um, and I travel a lot to Europe, and so I find all my, a lot of the ones in Europe, which they have the best. Mm-hmm. And I, this, this man was walking on the street, and I was like, eh, I like ran after him. <laughs> and I've done that so many times. I ran after a woman in Italy when I was running in the morning at like bridge in Verona and like she walked by me like on her way to work and I like ran after her. I was like, excuse me. Can you tell me what you're wearing? (laughs) Um, But I've done that many times. Yeah. What kind of perfumes do you like? I wear a a brand called Byredo right now.
0: Oh, the Gypsy Water brand?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Gypsy Water, Super Cedar, um, Bal de Afrique. Mm. Um, I also have one that I absolutely love called Eleven Eleventy, but it's only in Italy. Got it. Well, it's actually, you could find it online, but, but it, it's a store in Italy. Um, I order it. I found, I found a store in Texas that carries it, and they shipped it to me. Um, but, yeah, I pretty much wear, I just got an Yves Saint Laurent perfume. Um, it's called Rue de la Université. It's very unisex. Yeah, I just like all those.
0: You're more like the clean, huh? Mm-hmm. The clean scents.
1: No, I'm more like a musky, like sandalwood, amber.
0: Me too, actually. I'm a big vanilla girl.
1: Yeah, vanilla is good too, mixed with something. I don't like it too sweet, though.
0: Oh, okay. I like it sweet. I like to smell like a whole bakery.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, no. (laughs) I appreciate it. Yeah.
0: Can you leave our listeners with your three biggest tips for living a rewired life?
1: For sure. Um, First of all, you know, creative practice of gratitude what what we were just talking about i think that's number one just just trying to like you know be mindful of stopping and pausing whether it's in the morning or in the car or night before your head pillow, just to like go over like how far you've come become your own best friend go over your accomplishments like you know, I like if, if I were you, Nicole, like, you know, I have a podcast, I'm doing all these wonderful things, I'm being more mindful of my drinking, I'm mm-hmm. trying to get healthier, I'm trying to learn. Like, just acknowledge all the good, you know, that yeah. you are doing and grateful for, you know, the love in your life and family and health you have and all these things and go over that daily. Um, number two, I would say being really mindful of these cognitive issues, mm-hmm. your thought habits. If yeah. you haven't um, explored those yet, I beg you to just, get, you know, get some counseling for a little bit, yeah. like, you know, go over what your, your stressors are and kind of what at the end of the day makes you feel less than in any way and, and, and work on that. Yeah. And then three, you know, just self-care, establish healthy habits, but physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, you know, balance yeah. it all out.
0: Okay. Before we wrap the show, we do a segment every week, Called Weekly Weakness. It's all about your favorite thing at the moment. So it could be like mm-hmm. a TV show, a book, a product, anything. What is yours?
1: I actually I have to say a TV show because I'm like really pregnant right now. I'm nine months pregnant, <laughs> so I have, can't move at night, and I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> Jack Ryan. I've been watching that Jack Ryan series, and it was really great. And yeah, between that and this new perfume, I think I'm. Those are my two favorite things so far.
0: What's the new perfume, de Yves Saint
1: Laurent? Mm-hmm, it's Yves Saint Laurent. It's called Rue de la universite Mm-hmm. And it's a special line, and it's number 24. It's called Cent- Cental. Can you please tell our listeners where they can find you? Yes. Um, my website is Erica Spiegelman. E-R-I-C-A-S-P-I-E-G-E-L-M-A-N-F. Dot com mm-hmm. um or e spiegelman on instagram um you can always dm me check out you know any any like links to books or articles for pooch i write for them um twice a month and then yeah just just email me erica erica spiegelman mm-hmm. if you would like to set up sessions or anything like that
0: okay perfect and i'm gonna link all of your instagram handles and your website down in the show notes below for our listeners as well.
1: Uh, Wonderful. Thank you. That's great.
0: Thank you so much, Erica, for talking to me today. You're welcome. You're welcome. It's my pleasure. It's so fun. So So much fun. And I can't wait for the listeners to hear this episode. Thank you. Can't wait. (laughs) Have a wonderful day. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation with Erica Spiegelman. If you guys enjoyed this episode or any other previous episodes, go ahead and give me five stars and hit that subscribe button so you guys never miss an episode. Have a wonderful weekend. Be safe. Have fun. Thank you for coming to hang out with me today and I'll talk to you guys next Friday. Bye.